In Hebrews chapter 10, uh, before we read this particular verse, I want to share a few uh, verses regarding a review. And we have been teaching on the subject of righteousness. Righteousness, according to 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 5, verse 21, it says, He who knew no sin, speaking of Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin for us. Where did that occur? It occurred on the cross. Jesus was made to be our sin. He who knew no sin was made to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Righteousness of God meaning a right relationship with God. Uh, Sin had separated us from our relationship with God. Jesus went to the cross, suffered for our sin, died on that cross for our sin, paying the penalty for our sins so that we could then be restored to a right relationship with God. And so when we get in Christ or get born again, uh, we become righteous. We are made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Well, then again, we have looked at a verse of Scripture in Philippians uh, chapter 1 and verse 11. And in this particular verse, in verse 11, it says, Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ, unto the glory and the praise of God. Being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Jesus Christ. Now, we are born again as Christians and people who have put their faith in Jesus Christ. And we are the righteousness of God. But God not only wants us to be made righteous in spirit, because our spirit has changed spiritually our nature has changed and we've been born of a new nature and we have received this righteous nature of God in our spirit but we also want to bear the fruit of righteousness according to Philippians chapter 1 and verse 11 so we can produce fruit remember in Isaiah 61 it says that we are trees of righteousness the planting of the Lord that he might be glorified So God calls us trees of righteousness. Trees produce fruit. In this case, we are to produce fruit. And like a peach tree, it produces peaches. And a Christian or believer in Christ uh, produces fruitfulness uh, as a result. And so you as a believer in Christ can produce this fruit of righteousness. Fruit could be described in another way, a product of righteousness or a benefit, if you will, of righteousness, something that comes as a benefit. It comes as a package. Uh, When you become the righteousness of God and you become aware that you are the righteousness of God or that you do have a right relationship with God, because many people do not. Just a gentleman uh, just this past week, or actually Wednesday night, he said to me after service, I've, been, I've uh, accepted Jesus, been saved for 15 years, but I've never heard that I was the righteousness of God. I've actually read the Bible through a number of times, but I didn't know this. Well, there's a lot of people that don't know this. And so we want to have understanding of the Scripture because if we have revelation and understanding and comprehension, then we're able to apply it. We're able to then produce fruitfulness as a result. Now, I'm not saying that someone that didn't know it has never produced any fruit. They knew other things and it enabled them to produce some fruit. But the more we understand God's word and understand who we are in Christ, then we become more fruitful or more productive. 
So as a believer in Christ, you want to produce this fruit of righteousness. Now, another verse of scripture that we've looked at in the past, Romans chapter 3, verse 24, says, Being justified freely, how? By his grace, through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. By his grace and through redemption in Christ. And then he says, whom God set forth to be a forth as a propitiation by his blood through faith to demonstrate his righteousness. To demonstrate his righteousness. So righteousness, as we have studied in the past, is received by faith. And we see it again here. So we receive this gift of righteousness according to Romans 5, 17. It is a gift. To receive this gift of righteousness, it must be received by faith. It is not of works. It is not by your self-effort. It is by faith in the blood of Jesus. It is by faith in the redemptive work of Christ. It is by faith in the grace of God. And you can see all of those in this passage. All right? By the blood, by redemption that is in Christ, and by faith in the grace of God. So, you receive it by faith. And by receiving this gift of righteousness, you then have a right relationship with God. The breach that had been formed because of man's sin, Adam's sin, and the sin of all of humanity, because all of sin had come short of the glory of God. Uh, that sin that had created that breach was dealt with in the person of Christ. He was made to be our sin, suffered for that sin, paid the penalty for that sin, and then we are justified by faith in what he did. So if we are justified or made righteous by faith, now that knowledge of that gives us understanding that we are the righteousness of God in spirit or in Christ. Well, then as we live with that knowledge or uh, you could say sit with that knowledge and just really meditate on it, then we become aware of it. And the more aware we are, or we call that righteousness consciousness. Because so many people, even though they're saved, born again, children of God, love God, many times they're living with this sense of sin consciousness. But what we want to do is look at the scripture until we become righteousness conscious. Or we become so aware that we are the righteousness of God that we live with that awareness and we live with that consciousness that we are right with God. Well, to be the righteousness of God, as we have seen, it means that you're approved by God, doesn't it? It means that we're accepted by God. It means that we're approved, we're accepted by God. Now, if I'm approved and I'm accepted, then that would mean I have access to the presence of God. I mean, if somebody is your close relative or maybe your close friend or somebody that is very uh, close to you, and you have this relationship with them, they are confident, they are assured that they can come into your presence uh, and they're going to be accepted, right? They're not intimidated. Maybe uh, someone else, uh, that same person, someone else that they don't know at all hardly, but uh, they're just making their acquaintance. They may have a little, uh, some sense of intimidation or some... Uh, lack of confidence. But the more you are uh, in relationship with a person, then the more at ease you are in their presence. Does that make sense? 
Well, the more you develop your consciousness and your awareness of your acceptance with God and that uh, you are approved by God and God loves you. And uh, the more you become aware of that, then the more at ease you are in his presence. So in our uh, study, we have said that righteousness gives you the ability to stand in the presence of God without a sense of sin, without a sense of guilt, a sense, sin consciousness, a sense of sin, sense of guilt, a sense of condemnation, or a sense of inferiority complex. Well, in God's mind, you're not inferior. In God's mind, he created you in his image and after his likeness. In God's mind, he created you as righteous. As in God's mind, you are accepted in the beloved. In God's mind, God sees you without shame and blame. God sees you as right with him. And so, therefore, you can access his presence with a sense of confidence. So righteousness, uh, consciousness, gives you confidence in the presence of God. And that's where we want to go today. Righteousness, consciousness, gives you confidence in his presence. Now, the psalmist said it this way. He said, uh, in his presence is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. So uh, God wants you to have this fullness of joy in the presence of God. Now we're going to go to Hebrews 10. We're asking you to turn in Hebrews 10, verse 16. This is a covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their hearts, and in their minds I will write them. This is the covenant that I will make in those days, speaking of new covenant days. He said, that he's making this covenant where he writes his laws in our hearts and in our minds. So this is a heart connection with God. This is a heart relationship with God. And so he writes his word or his laws in our hearts and in our minds. And then what does he say in verse 17? Then he adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now that's good news. Their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. Now how is it that God could not remember your sins? In other words, there's something about you that God forgot. God forgot your sin. Now, God doesn't have spiritual amnesia. God doesn't suffer from, uh, you know, some memory loss. Uh, right? He doesn't have Alzheimer's. He's, he hasn't lost his memory in that sense. He knows all. But there's something about God when the blood of Jesus is applied to your sin that he eradicates your sin and then he doesn't remember your sins against you. He's not holding your sins against you. He says your sins and your lawless deeds, your iniquities, he says he will not remember anymore. Wow. Verse 18, now where the remission of these is, there is no longer an offering for sin. Where the remission of these sins 
is there's no longer an offering for sin. Why is there no longer an offering for sin? Because the offering has already been made. The penalty has already been paid. The work of redemption, the blood of Jesus, was sufficient for human sin. And the work of redemption, the blood of Jesus, the death of Christ, was was a power to eradicate your sin, to dissolve your sin. Thank you, Jesus. And once your sin is eradicated, dissolved, God sees you without it. He doesn't remember your sins against you. Good news. And there's no longer an offering for sin. In other words, you don't have anything that you have to offer. In other words, you don't have to continually, year after year, offer the sacrifices, the blood of bulls and goats and animal sacrifices, so that now your sin could be covered for a year. No, he offered his blood once and for all so that your sin could be eradicated, erased, and you could stand before him without a sense of sin, guilt, condemnation, or inferiority. God accepts you as approved because he's washed you in the blood. Thank you, Jesus. Verse 19. He says, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest by the blood of Jesus, because of what Jesus has done, therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter into the presence of God by the blood of Jesus. Now, entering the presence of God is amazing. I mean, for me as a teenager, that was a life changer. I mean, when we're worshiping God in this room, the presence of God fills a place. Oh, it's amazing. I mean, when you open your mouth and you let God know you love him and you praise him and you worship him and you do that corporately in a room, your wonderful music, wonderful singing to lead us into the presence of God and the Holy Spirit ushers us right into the presence of God. That happens corporately. Something happens in the room when people worship God and praise God. And they have a consciousness and an awareness that God has opened the heavens for them. Oh, it's amazing. So as a teenager, my own personal experience of the presence of God was a life changer. It turned my life around. Listen, I was exposed to it. I was around it all my life. I went to church from a child. I mean, you know, church was life. You go to church. It wasn't for debate. So we went to church. But when I tasted of it for myself, now that made the difference. When I tasted the presence of God for myself, I wasn't just watching it. Watching other people enjoy it. Watching other people worship God. When I tasted myself, it was a different program. The scripture says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, hallelujah. Taste and see that the Lord is good. So I'd seen it in my mother all of my life as a kid. I saw she wasn't just a a church worshiper. In other words, she didn't just worship at church. She worshiped at the house. But I didn't know what was going on. In other words, I'm seeing it, I'm hearing it, 
Uh, It's very obvious and it's real. And yet, I hadn't yet tasted it for myself. Now, years ago, I mean, you know, I I grew up uh, poor. Some people would call you Po. All right, so, and and poor. And so, uh, we didn't have filet when I was growing up. Filet mignon. It wasn't not, it was never something. It never, uh, it never got on our table. Chicken. We, we chicken, we, we had chicken. We had lots of beans and rice and lots of biscuits, and I'm here today because of biscuits. If it were not for biscuits, I would not be alive. So a 10-pound bag of flour was noted in our household. 20-pound bag of flour, it lasts a long time. We got a lot of kids. So I'm alive because of biscuits. And they were good biscuits, too. But, you know, I didn't have filet. We didn't eat that because we didn't have the money to eat that kind of food. But when my wife and I got uh, married, we moved to Las Vegas, and we didn't have money to eat filet. Believe me, we didn't eat filet. Chick-fil-A wasn't here. All right. So, so, So here we are. Her uncle and aunt came in town. They came here for a conference, you know. He was a, a developer and v- very well off. And uh, they came for a conference here. We had, had a convention. And uh, so they invited us to dinner. And we went to dinner in a hotel that is no longer here, Frontier Hotel. And so we went to dinner, nice restaurant. And, you know, I don't know really what I'm ordering. I've never ordered it before. Never had it before. But it was filet. And once I tasted it, I knew the Lord was good. (laughs) I mean, wow, this is real. I never tasted meat that like melted in your mouth. Ice cream, maybe. Soft serve, you know. But... No, never meat that like, man, that's so tender. So I've been eating filet since. <laughs> as often as we could. <laughs> At that time, we, we didn't have a lot of it real soon, but you know. But I was hooked. Why? Because I tasted it. You never know. I mean, you know, for us, if we had steak, it, you know what cube steak is? And it was... That means they run it through a machine, they beat it to death until you could actually chew some of it. Some of it, you understand, not all of it. That's why they put bread on it, bread it, they put gravy, they saturate it with gravy. It's a cover-up, I'm telling you. Now don't get hungry and leave service while I'm preaching. So, but once you taste the filet, then it just doesn't taste like cube steak. Now, cube steak without gravy, without breading, it's really bad when you chew so long that you know it ain't going to happen. It is not going to happen. 
you discreetly. <laughs> this is not going down that way. So, taste and see that the Lord is good. If you've never tasted the presence of God, you don't know what it's like. And you can't just taste for yourself. Because people have different taste buds. Right? In other words, they get conditioned to certain things. But you could have a false uh, thinking. I mean, my wife, when she was a little uh, young, and her, her grandfather had a nice, really nice garden. Her parents always had a garden as well. And she would not eat strawberries because she had, she had eaten a radish before. They're both red. <laughs> and, and radishes don't taste like strawberries, but if you think they do, you could be deceived. So she was deceived into thinking that it must take, taste like a radish, so she would never eat strawberries until later in life she discovered she actually ate a strawberry. And she's been eating strawberries ever since because once you taste of a strawberry, it tastes different from a radish. God has this fillet. Uh, strawberry flavor, hallelujah, of life. In other words, there's something good about God that if you don't ever taste it, you're never going to know what you're missing. But if you taste and see that the Lord is good, then you'll know, I want that again, praise God, right? And so uh, since I ate that filet, I've been wanting filet ever since, and I've been eating ever since. Not every day, but it is the will of God <laughs> to eat more often. On that level, come on. Somebody say, preach, pastor, preach. I'm just saying. I'm just. All right, so verse 19, again. Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter in the holiest by the blood of Jesus. How do you get into this holy place? Now, I'm just giving you a natural illustration that does not compare with the presence of God, I can assure you. But as a teenager, when I tasted the presence of God, I wanted to go there again. I wanted to experience that again. I wanted heaven's uh, presence to uh, come into my life again. I wanted to know God like I had known him there in that place. Because I wasn't satisfied. Once you, once you eat a strawberry, hello. Once you eat a, a, a filet, I'm just not quite satisfied with, I mean, if you want the chicken fried steak, I don't know why they call it that. But anyway, I know some of you say, I'm having that for lunch. I'm telling all right, so it's that flavor, isn't it? It's that gr all right, I can't talk about that no more. All right, I'll lose my crowd. All right, so. It's bad in the middle of your sermon, people walk out to go to lunch. All right, sir. All right, back to the sermon. Don't be placing any orders right now. I'm just, people are getting their phone out. All right. So you access the presence of God. How? By the blood of Jesus. You get into his presence. 
Let's go on to the next verse. By a new and living way, which he hath consecrated for us through the veil, that is to say his flesh. He's consecrated for us. And the scripture says when Jesus was on the cross, his flesh, listen, had been rent, had been torn. But it said the veil in the temple was ripped or torn from top to bottom. No doubt an angel just went in there. What does this mean? That means now anybody can access the presence of God through the blood of Jesus. Anybody can get into that holy of holies, into the presence of God, and they can experience God for themselves. It's not just something I have to watch my mama do. It's not just something I have to watch another believer in the church do. It's not just something I get to observe. It's something I can taste for myself. It's something I can enjoy for myself. I can enjoy the presence of God myself. It's not just for everybody else in the house. It's for me. It's for you. It's for anybody who will believe. He said, whosoever will, let him come and take the water of life freely. It is by grace you're saved. Not of works. Not all of your ritual. Not all of your efforts. Not all of your goodness. It's the goodness of God that leads men to repentance, the scripture says. So it's God's goodness extended to you. It's God's favor extended to you and to me. And we have access right into the presence of God. Hallelujah. Verse 21, having the high, a high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. So righteousness, consciousness gives us boldness and confidence in the presence of God. He said we draw near with a what? True heart. Our heart is engaged with God. A true heart in full assurance. We have full assurance. I mean, we're overflowing with assurance and confidence that we're accepted in the presence of God. We don't have to come with a sense of guilt and condemnation, inferiority, and and this uh, feeling that you're not worthy and you can't approach God. No, you can. Anybody can Because we're not coming based on our own merit. We're coming based on the blood of Jesus. We're accessing the presence of God, not based on our efforts, our works. We're coming based on the blood. The blood has given you access into the presence of God. Righteousness, consciousness gives us boldness and confidence in the presence of God. So we come with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts, what, sprinkled from an evil conscience. Hebrews says that we purge our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Sprinkled our conscience. I want to know, just like in the Old Testament, what, they were to put that blood Come on, on the doorposts and on the lintel so that death could not access there. That means in this house, the presence of God is. And you can't get here. Death can't get here. 
It's referred to in Scripture as the Passover. And Jesus is referred to as the Passover lamb. Oh, glory to God. They ate the lamb. They killed a lamb for the every household. They ate the lamb. And then they put the blood over the doorposts and the lintel so the devil can't access here. And death can't access here. I'm telling you, God's hand of grace and protection is on your life when you're in the presence of God. When you're partaking of the Lamb of God, when you are in fellowship with the Father through the blood of Jesus, oh, you've applied. And that, that blood was to be sprinkled on the book. The, the blood was to be sprinkled on the people. I'm telling you, God has sprinkled your heart with the blood of Jesus. And your conscience is clear. Oh, thank you, Jesus, that you can live free in your spirit, in your soul. And in your life. Now Rotherham says it this way. Having therefore brethren. For verse 19. Boldness. But he says freedom of speech. For entrance through the holy place. By the blood of Jesus. For entrance through the holy place. By the blood of Jesus. Freedom of speech. How many remember when the uh, motion activated faucets started, you know, you, then you got to dry your hands and you got to motion activate. Sometimes they don't work, but you know, when they do, it's good. <laughs> motion activation. Now, in our, in our society today, we have voice activation. You can do all kinds of things. If, if you have that kind of a house and it's wired for it, man, you can turn on your stereo. You can turn on your television. You can turn on your lights before you get home. I mean, right? You can do all kinds of stuff. You can do things by voice that you didn't do a few years ago. You can access a building uh, with your thumbprint or actually your eye. You can look into that and they, oh, you're the person. You, get, you have access. But now you can, by voice activation, doors open. Things happen. You know, that's not new with God. He, he had this thing thousands of years ago. He's been doing this for eternity. In fact, that's how he created the world. He said... Light be, and light was. He said it. He spoke it. Read book of Genesis. I mean, very, very first chapter. I mean, God said it, and it was so. God said it, it was so. God said it, it was so. Think about the voice activation. When you come by the blood of Jesus, you come uh, acknowledging the blood of Jesus. You're not coming based on your good works and all how wonderful you are without Jesus. No, you're coming based on the work of redemption. You're coming based on the blood of Jesus. You're coming based on the grace of God, the favor of God that's been extended to you because of what Jesus has done. And you just talk about the blood and you access the presence of God. You just sing about the blood of of Jesus and you access the presence of God. What makes a room fill up when you talk about the blood of Jesus? I mean, fill up with the presence of God. What happened? You just accessed. Oh, you just went right into the Holy of Holies. You went right into the presence of God. 
Now, there's degrees of God's presence. There's, there, there are uh, layers, if you will. There, uh, there's places you can go in the presence of God that not many people have gone. But I believe that all of us can learn to develop. But, you know, any believer, it doesn't matter if you just got saved yesterday, you can access the presence of God. As a teenager, I experienced the presence of God just amazingly. I mean, it was just amazing experience for my own personal life. And I experienced the presence of God today, but I experience it then. It's not because I've been saved 40 years, right? 45 years. It's not because of that. It's because of the blood of Jesus. It's not because I, 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 I know certain things about the word of God that I didn't know then. It, that helps, but anybody can get in. I want to grow, and I have grown, and you do grow, and you want to grow, but yet God doesn't wait till you know everything to let you in. But the more you know, the easier it is to access. You just come by the blood of Jesus, and you can get in the presence of God much quicker. Hallelujah. Why? Because you know in whom you have believed, and you have full assurance of faith, and you have confidence in the presence of God because you know the blood of Jesus has been shed for you, and you can come before the Father, even if you just messed up. If you confess up, then God will cleanse you and raise you up. Amen. God will forgive you and cleanse you from all unrighteousness so that you again have restored assurance and confidence in his presence. And again, in his presence is what? Fullness of joy. And at his right hand are pleasures forevermore. God wants us to experience his presence.